Running a business isn't all glamour and success stories. You're about to hear from a real founder in the trenches. I'm here to help them find clarity, have a space to get their ideas out in the open, and figure out how they're going to move forward. Welcome to the Talk to Stefan podcast. Today I'm joined by Harris Kenny, who is founder and CEO of Intro CRM. Welcome to the Founder Hot Seat. Hi, Stefan. Thanks for having me on. It's good to have you here. So can you give me a quick overview of what it is that Intro CRM does? Yeah, so it's changed <laughs> quite a bit, but I'll give you the short version of what, where we are today. And maybe I can talk about where we came from a little bit. But uh, today what we're doing is we're building a virtual sales assistant for founders of companies who have like a long sales cycle. So they're, they're selling to other businesses or schools or governments. And usually they have to talk to somebody. Uh, as a part of their sales process. And we provide that sales help as a service, qualifying inbound leads, uh, finding new outbound leads, and, and just helping manage that um, deal flow. Because when you know your company's getting traction and you have a few different things going on, it's really easy to lose track of some of the sales opportunities that are higher in the funnel before you know if it's worth talking to them or not. And so we're trying to help take that off people's plates so that they can just focus on the conversations that are going to most likely lead to new business or follow up on the conversations, you know, that they've already had. Okay. And how does that work on a sort of practical basis? Are people paying you on a sort of contract retainer basis or subscription? How, how does that work? Yeah, we're playing around with pricing right now, but the most important thing that we're really trying to focus on is that it's performance-based. And so we have a couple of different contracts with a couple of different types of customers uh, and you know, what does performance-based mean? So like the tension here is how do we figure out so that we're motivated to do a good job and that we're getting enough money to make sure that we're covering our ongoing costs and overhead and things like that. So like a pure, pure hundred percent commission or, or, you know, incentivized structure would look like maybe we only get paid for booking meetings that come in, or, you know, we only get paid for closed deals or something like that. But the challenge with that is that there's a lot of things that we can't control there. You know, we can't control whether or not our customers pricing is attractive to their customers. And uh, the typical way that hires like this are made is that they're either paid hourly, or they're paid like a 75-25 split where 75% is, is a base pay, uh, either salary or, or hourly based, and then 25% is incentivized. So we're trying to flip that on its head so that we have our ongoing cost, whether it's a monthly, you know, monthly fee or whatever, to be about 25% of the total project cost and then about 75% of that being associated with outcomes, whether it's the number of inbound leads you have that we respond to or the number of meetings we booked. And yeah, to be honest with you, we're still learning <laughs> with that, um, what the best way for us to do that is. But I think underlying the principle is that we want to be aligned with our customers. And if they're busy and that we want our work to reflect that, and if they're not busy, you know, if they have a slow month and we're not working, we want our work to also reflect that and pass through to them. Okay, I'm following. And in terms of the specific challenge that you've got, tell me a little bit more about that. Yeah, well, let me just take a quick step back and talk about where we came from. So our name is Interest CRM because I had been doing solo sales consulting. I started doing that in 2019 uh, after working in sales for a while. Uh, you know, I've been in sales for over 10 years now. And what I noticed that founders tend to not keep up with their sales tools. You know, they're very complicated. There's lots of features. If you've ever logged into, you know, Salesforce or HubSpot or some of these tools there, it's a lot to manage. And 
it's not really built for founders. It's built for teams. It's built for sales teams because that's where they get their revenue and those are the power users of the product and that's where their roadmap goes You know, over time. They don't focus on the people who are like lightweight users who just track deals or something like that. And so I thought, okay, well, maybe there should be a simpler CRM that could make it easier for people, you know, that just track their deals. And then one day they'll outgrow it and they'll move into a bigger, more complicated tool. And so we built that and that was where the name came from. We got around 100 people using it. And there was one person, a Shopify agency owner in London who like loved it. And we had a great conversation and he was like, this is perfect. This is the perfect tool. But besides him, we didn't get a lot of traction. So we, I felt like I was on the wrong track. And I started asking customers, hey, what if we used your CRM for you? What if we found new leads and put them in there for you? What if we took the leads that you had signing up in a contact form on your website or, or messaging you on Twitter and qualified them for you and then maybe set that meeting on your behalf? And there was a lot more interest in that. So we shifted in February of this year 2021 to a productized service or a tech enabled service model where I brought on some people, I've built out a team and we've been doing this as a service. And within that, there's really three specific things that we're doing right now. And the tension or, you know, when I really, really recently reached out, cause I, I heard your interview with Val and I was like, wow, I wonder if I could get on and talk about this with Stefan, because I'd be curious, you know, to have, <laughs> it would be helpful. Um, is that we have three main ways that we help for this replacing essentially this entry-level sales hire. The first one is building lead lists and helping with the outreach. So writing the messaging and really refining like who is the ideal customer for your business? You know, what industry do they work in? What's their job title? What are their technologies and things like that? And there is a huge demand for this type of service. This tons of companies say, I need new leads. That's the thing I need. That's my problem. And sometimes that's true. Oftentimes that is not necessarily true. Oftentimes the problem they really have is a positioning problem or a pricing problem or the market is too small, the category is too small, but it's sort of widely seen as a problem. And so therefore there's lots of buyers for it. And what we try to do is even if the new leads isn't the problem, we try to help them navigate some of those other questions with our outreach, where we try to help them think through their positioning with the messaging and stuff like that. So I think that we both are answering the thing they're buying and moving them in the direction of maybe what they what the deeper problem is. And so that's where we have a number of customers on. We built an app um, to help make that work easier so they could rate the new leads that we find for them. And so we've invested in that and that that's a steady process. The second thing that we're doing that where I think we're really unique is this inbound qualification and scheduling where, you know, it's a really tricky problem. And what happens is that founders, as their business gets traction, they get caught up in busy work. And if they ignore it for too long, their pipeline dries up, which is to say like, you know, they're not going to have any new business in a month or two, but they don't realize it at the time. And so they end up in these like boom bust cycles where they go really hard into sales and then step off the gas because they can't keep up. And the other part of it is that they, even if they are consistently spending time, it just may not be the best use of their time, you know, like, and so what we try to do is people will say at this stage of their business, like, I need a salesperson. I need a sales guy, sales gal, but it's not clear what specifically they need sales help with. It's just, they know that sales in general is chewing up their time. So what we try to do is we unbundle that sales work into two categories, which is like administrative busy work, appointment setting, replying, initial responses, and then the closing part where like you're on that call and you're 
pitching what you do, you're talking about pricing. And we say, look, let us be your assistant. You be the closer. As this works and you bring in more business, let's replace you as the closer. And we'll stay on as the assistant for a new account executive is usually usually the title people use for someone to take these meetings for you. And this is how you can go from zero to one with sales help. So that's sort of overall we're offering. You need to be, it's a smaller market. You know, you need bigger companies that have like more revenue and more traction. Some people don't think about it in this way. And so we're having to convince them to think differently about how they grow and how they hire and their org chart and stuff like that. And then the last thing I'll touch on briefly is the third thing is really just helping people keep an eye on their pipeline, following up on deals and creating tasks for them. For This is really for founders who are just, or, or teams who are just really, really don't like doing sales. And <laughs> we have some customers who, who, who need that. But I think this middle offering is the one that's the most exciting. I've gotten like very good feedback about it. People who run pretty sophisticated businesses are like, wow, I totally would have used that. And if I started something new, as soon as we started to get our feet under us, I would use that in the future. I think it's really unique. And I think there's a lot of opportunity for us to bring best practices. Like we're doing multiple rounds of follow-up on these new leads where we could potentially support lots of channels, not just like form submissions from email, but we could do Facebook or Twitter. We could do follow-up phone calls. We could support different languages. Like there's just, we could expand horizontally in lots of ways and like really own this problem. But it does require, it's a longer sales cycle and it's more complicated. And because we're self-funded and bootstrapped, I have this tension between these outbound customers where I know what we're doing. We can, it's, it's really easy to package it up and sell it. And the value is lower, but it's a faster sale versus these inbound opportunities where I think we need to go. And so like if I had, if I was just sitting on like whatever, a couple hundred thousand dollars, I would say, let's just focus on the inbound. But, you know, I'm not. So I'm just, I'm, I'm sort of... I mean, there's a real tension between the two, I think, for me, of like understanding, hey, the short-term thing that's working and we like it and it's part of what we do, but we have this longer-term opportunity that I think is a lot more special and where I think we're adding, honestly, more value for customers as well. Because it's very clear, this line between like following up and scheduling meetings and closing deals, like it's a really tight loop. Whereas with the outbound, it's definitely speculative and they're less mature companies. And so it's harder to know if we can help them. There's like a hundred things that could be the problem and and maybe new leads is the solution, but maybe not. So anyway, that is a very long answer to your question, but that's kind of where we're at right now. <laughs> that's no, that's really helpful to know. And it gives me a good idea. Okay. So really we're looking at one and two there. Number one, you're saying is the service that you offer a lot of at the moment, which is building lead lists and doing the outreach side of things. And number two is this inbound qualification and scheduling. And that's the other option that you've got there. So you're saying that with a move to the inbound qualification on that side, that if you had cash in the bank that would allow you to do that, you'd just go for it. I'm just wondering, what is it specifically about the cash that would allow you to do that? Is it the people that's required for it? Is it the runway that it gives you to test and build up to it? What what specifically about it? Yeah, that's a good question. I think it is the runway. So it could like play around with different types of pricing and not worry if it's immediately generating revenue like in this current month. So like right now we're doing only for meetings booked. And so like that's a great sell to a founder of like hey, you only pay if we book a meeting with you. If you have sort of junky inbound things that are coming in, we'll sift them out for you. You don't have to worry about that. And if someone cancels, we'll reschedule. So like we can set a pretty high price on that if they're like, okay, 
if that's the only thing I'm paying for and you guarantee that it's a qualified lead, totally. I'll pay you however much for that, right? Like, but I just like we've only we haven't been doing this long enough to know like is that is that enough? <laughs> you know, is that enough for us? Um, or or should we have it say, okay, well, this is gonna be based on the number of inbound inquiries you get. Then in that way, we're both more aligned with them. Like if they get if they're getting junky stuff in. They're, and they're running an AdWords campaign that, that maybe let's say it, it's like set for global or something like that. And, and they're only selling to, you know, customers in Europe. And they're like, well, we're getting all these leads from the United States, but we don't operate in the United States. If we charge them for every like contact, we would say, well, okay, you, as soon as you fix that, you, we won't charge you. Uh, you'll, you'll stop getting those submissions and therefore we'll stop charging you. So we'd be aligned. But then it also feels like, I don't know, that it's just, it's a little less of a good sell, but it's probably better business for us because it more, it re reflects the work that we're doing and it's still sort of performance-based. It's just not necessarily the job to be done that they have. It's not the pure outcome that they want, which is, which is meetings. So that like experimenting with that type of stuff, which I don't know the best way to do it. Um, so as a result, we've just been more cautious with who will sign on as customers, like the customers we're bringing on or we're doing multiple things for them. And the inbound is just like a component of the offering so that I can sort of de-risk the cash flow in that way. So we can learn with customers who we're, we're making money from in other ways, um, which is working, which is working fine. But yeah. And then I think a little bit more money would allow us to focus on like a rebrand because our name, the intro CRM doesn't make sense anymore. And so ideally, if we could say, okay, this is the one problem we're solving. When you go to our website, it talks all about this and we could rebrand for this. But I think there's some fundamentals that we have to solve without that infusion of cash. I think there's these fundamentals we have to solve first. Okay. So you're saying that about that you are bringing in people for these services on the sort of building lead lists and doing the outreach side of things, but then also offering the inbound qualification as part of that service so you can test it, learn from it. Interested to know what, what have you learned so far? What sort of clarity have you got on that pricing question that you've sort of got? Yeah, well, the the thing that was most surprising to me, the thing that makes me so excited about this is that the time to value is extremely short. Like literally, if we get this, the way we do it is we set up an inbox basically on the customer's domain and then we sync our responses to their CRM so they can always see what's going on. But basically like as soon as that inbox is set up, they immediately don't have to worry about those responses anymore and so the time to value is like right away they're like oh like i literally had a customer say like it makes me happy happier every time i see you're responding to these leads knowing that i don't have to and knowing that it's being taken care of you know and so that to me suggested that's when i started thinking more about the lead based pricing because there's really two problems here there's the one problem of i've got these leads coming in and it's busy work it's stressful that i have this stuff in my inbox and then the second problem is of those leads that are stressing me out, some of them I, I, need, I need to, I should talk to. And so we've, I think that that learning about the time to value is really interesting. And that made me feel like we're onto something more promising because if you can tell someone, Hey, we do this. And then the next day, the thing that was stressful for them before they get, just get to watch happen and watch replies just drop into their inbox. That's, I think, I think that's really compelling. So I learned that that's a bigger problem than I thought, or, or more of a relief than I thought. And then I think the other is that there's some complexity around meetings booking. Like 
if you look at even really, uh, we use, we like Savvy Cal, but uh, you know, there's tons of meeting scheduling tools and there's no way of knowing if a meeting was a no-show. Like you, you can, you can know if it was on the calendar, you could know if it was canceled. So there's some complexity around the meetings reporting that we're working through. Like how do we deliver on that? Uh, right now it's a low enough volume that we can sort of do some manual reporting and keep an eye on it. Um, but if we were to scale that up, there's, it's just like a function of how calendar invitations work where like, if I just leave something on my calendar and it didn't happen, there's no way of, for the calendar to know that it didn't happen. Whereas if I get an email and it's in my inbox, it's in my mail server, I can definitely count it, <laughs> you know, as a legit email. So those types of things I'm learning are things that we haven't solved yet, but that are things that we're going to have to think about as we potentially try to scale this because there's just some like technical limitations to how calendar formatting works, like just as a technology that would affect, and especially if we have that promise of like, we take care of reschedules. So right now it's, it's a little manual. I would say those are the most interesting things that we've, um, that we've come up with so far. And then I've also learned that I've seen, I've seen this come up in multiple different contexts, like what we're exactly what we're doing. A couple of people talking about it in a couple of different contexts, totally separate from me, like a little, totally unrelated to me. So that has kind of signaled to me also like, okay, I really do think there's something here because people are talking about this, I, like why this is important of like getting fractional help with handling this type of thing. Um, yeah. So I guess those are the three things. So it sounds like you're learning a lot in terms of understanding and validating that there's a need there. There are operational challenges to actually making this work as a service. But I'm just wondering specifically in terms of the challenges of switching over to offering this as a key service. What you've mentioned about the cash side of things because you need to play around with it, but what's sort of really holding you back from moving over to this? Hmm. I think that I think that if I could solve some of these technical problems so that I could say, okay, I, I know that this is running really efficiently. I would feel comfortable taking a chance and pushing the marketing for it harder. Just sort of on on faith that if we can get in front of enough people that we could deliver it effectively. Like we're delivering it well now, but if 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 we quadrupled the number of people who we were doing this for, right, like immediate like overnight, it would become it would be really hard to fulfill. So I think that I think that that's the biggest thing which which I can solve at our current scale. I, I could definitely figure that out at our current scale without needing more money. I think it just takes a little bit of time and a little bit of help. Like I'm working with this agency, low code agency, and they're like Integramat partners. I think we can do some of this like event monitoring, like booked calendar monitoring and things like that using webhooks and using Integramat um, to like tally up when things are scheduled without me having to like jump in and run reports. So I think that's the biggest, the biggest thing that's holding me back is that like, little like last mile uncertainty of like doing this more efficiently without requiring me physically clicking into, you know, HubSpot or whatever and generating a report. Okay. And I think if I had that, I would have the confidence to take some more chances, but because I don't, it's, yeah. And you were saying that if you sort of quadrupled the volume that you'd got, that's where it would become difficult for you to actually do these things manually. In terms of the volumes that you'd expect, how soon do you think it would take for you to actually get to the point where you could quadruple the volume of clients that you're working with, for instance, and that actually become a problem? Yeah, it's a little tricky because I think that the thing that's interesting about this service is that if we say like, hey, we're going to 
but we're going to own this problem of you have people coming in to you, to your company through, let's just say a number of channels and you need to sift through who's legit and who's not. There's no reason why 150 person company or, you know, a 20 person sales team couldn't use that service. Like if they have, so, so like in theory, if we could get like one or two bigger customers who are like, like even, even if they had, let's just say a, a three person sales team and, you know, they had one SDR and two account executives and they had like a lot of churn with that SDR, with that entry level salesperson, they're like keep constantly having to rehire them because they like the problem with this type of role is that like the good people don't stick around. They either get promoted up or they leave. And so it's a really hard role to fill at a, at a certain price point. And so we kind of build a bunch of service around that. So you don't have to worry about that. But even like a bigger company that had one or two SDRs, they could say, you know what, we're not going to, we're going to hire, we're going to promote the SDR that we have to an account executive. And, and we're just going to have, you know, Harris and his team take care of this. So we could get a bigger customer that had higher volume where they currently have one or two people spending 40 or 80 hours a week doing this work. And we could take that off their plate. And that would probably generate enough income that we would be fine. You know, so that that's the, like, this has like, we have to build it out and make sure that we understand their requirements as companies get more sophisticated because it's different to just sync to a founder's inbox versus a multi-person team. But it's possible that if someone, you know, hears what we're doing and is like, you know what? Yeah, we're sick of this problem and we just want our closers to close, that that could be enough to say, okay, we've got the cash flowing through this sufficiently that let's just like go for it. And from a sort of operational point of view in terms of what you'd need to be doing to service those accounts, yeah, do you think that you need to be able to solve those technical challenges that you mentioned before to be able to do that if you landed one of those clients now, say? Not if it, let's just say it was one client, like no, because the things that don't scale that we're doing right now, you know, I could still be running reports, you know, manually, but we have the team that I could just reallocate their time and say, Hey, we were doing this stuff before. Now let's just do more of this other thing. We have enough people and like people hours during the week to do that, that like the actual work of the qualification and the scheduling. Like that, the actual task that we're doing, that's no problem. It's the complexity around the performance-based billing that would get harder with uh, multiple clients across multiple systems and stuff like that. And what would it take for you to get started with that in terms of the billing side of things? How would you, say if you're launching next week, what would be, you know, you'd got this deadline, you had to meet it of starting next week. What sort of model would you propose for right now? Yeah. Um, I think that I would probably, I mean, honestly, I think I could probably get it done if I just sat down and focused on it and then maybe just, you know, asked for some help. If I ran into some hiccups, I just need to figure out how to get Integromat to listen to a calendaring tool, as long as it has an API or webhooks or whatever, and then tally up every time there's an event basically. And like, that's, it's actually not that hard. And then ideally I would connect that to Stripe so that Stripe would know, you know, even, even if I had to do that part manually at first, I think that would be okay. But yeah, in like in a perfect world, it's listening to the calendaring, it's tally, tallying when events occur or, uh, you know, and then it's, and then it's hitting Stripe to say, Hey, deduct one from their balance or whatever. So yeah, it would just be a matter of sitting down, looking at the webhooks for like Savvy Cal, for example, and HubSpot 
and then just deciding probably in the in the in like phase one of this would probably just be dumping those into a spreadsheet and then i would probably just go from the spreadsheet and just look at stripe stripe's kind of more complicated i'm not a developer so i don't <laughs> i don't know how i would make that second linkage but if i could do the first one i'm sure that i could hire help for someone to do the second one because right now we sell them in prepaid packages so someone says hey i'll take a i'll take a package of 10 meetings five meetings or whatever and if it's going well, I'll keep working with you. And if it's not, I'll just I'll just take this back. Um, so it's pretty low risk from a founder's perspective. So yeah, I think I would sit down, look at the webhooks, jump into Integromat, and just and probably just start dumping those into a, into a, into a Google Sheet, just a tally of meetings booked. So these are sort of technical and operational challenges. Really, those are the biggest things that are holding you back. Just the actual practicalities of how to build clients for the work that you've done. Yeah, yeah, because I think that. I think that that makes it really compelling. It, it really, like, I think we can offer something that's substantially better than what they can get through hiring their own person on Upwork or whatever. It, it, particularly if we add this performance-based thing. But, you know, I'm thinking about this more and it's like, as we're talking and it's like, the performance thing, that's just like, that's almost like running laps around the current solution. E even if we just take the, what works right now. And we just tally based on submissions, you know, when people email the fact that we offer like around the clock response time, because we're a global and a remote team. So, you know, we have people in time zones around the world and, and the fact that we could guarantee a rapid response time, sort of no matter what time it is. And, and even if you just build based on emails coming in rather than successful meetings booked, that alone would be substantially better than what's available right now. And and that and even if we just did email, but we could, it would be kind of trivial to to offer a couple different channels like Twitter DMs or Facebook DMs. So, yeah, it's it's possible that I'm getting too focused on this performance based thing and forgetting what we're we're actually competing against right now, which is someone hiring through Upwork or or realistically not doing anything and just underperforming in their sales because they're not on top of things. So yeah, I'm wondering if I'm setting like too hard, too high of a bar versus the realistic alternatives for what we're doing, you know, because it would be pretty hard to find like a, a contractor to work around the clock and only get paid for booked meetings versus, yeah, anyway. So yeah, I'm wondering now if I'm maybe setting too high of a bar, trying to be like where we want to go doesn't necessarily need to be where we are right now. So it sounds like the initial offering could be much simpler in terms of the way that it's built. Yeah. Because you know that the service is far superior to what's being offered out there at the moment. And then you're saying at a later stage, you get the sort of operations and uh, technical bits sorted so that you can build on a slightly different model that is more success-based. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and increase our margins maybe because we say, okay, well, you can do it this way if you want and it's going to cost you more, but we make more money too or, you know, um, and you know that your time is being better spent. The thing I like about the meeting incentive though is that it really it really keeps our eye on, we, we, we just have to be intrinsically motivated, I guess, to, to remember what our goal is. is. It's to get the meeting. It's not just to respond, you know, because in these sales processes, they, they do need to talk to someone in order for a deal to move forward. So we would have to, if, if it not financially motivated, we would have to remain sort of intrinsically motivated and remember that, hey, this is only for a little bit before we try to switch over to something that's even more performance-based. Because in, in these scenarios, 
the assumption is like you have to talk like like if you were getting i don't know whatever like this is changing with all this remote stuff these days but let's just say the old-fashioned way of how people would get solar panels installed is that a technician would have to come to your house and say okay these are these where these trees are this is where the sun rises and sets this is the angle of your roof and like if you want to buy a solar panel and get it installed someone has to show up at your house pull up in a truck and walk around now that's the baseline assumption for these business models is that there has to be some sort of conversation with the company who's providing the service to talk about the configurations the settings whatever so as long as that meeting is required if our payment is based on that it keeps us focused if it's not based on that we would have to remember that somehow which i think we could do i think we're a small enough team and i think we could i think we would be able to do that i'm just wondering are there any other ways to keep yourselves incentivized without that other mechanism mm. of billing mm. Mm. um i mean we could potentially focus on replies just replies to the email of just being like, hey, you know, this person is engaged. And so like, I think people would be shocked at how many times a prospect goes to a website, fills out a form, and then just like ghosts. You know, it's like, hey, you're the one that came to my website and filled out my form and gave specific information about why you want it. You know, like, I think people would just be very surprised. I think founders are often surprised how much work this actually is because they're like, well, what the heck? You know, I made the thing. Don't you want to buy it? And so I guess really step one is, are they leaning forward? Are, are you keeping their attention? You know, and that, and that if you're keeping their attention, then, then, the, then the meeting will come next. And so you could look at response times as sort of a proxy for, for, for knowing if you're doing that well, and if they're continuing to respond versus, you know, or, or with the exception of being an email saying, leave me alone or something. <laughs> but, you know, if it's like a good email, that it was like, okay, well, if they're engaged and they're responding, it is likely that this is going to lead to a meeting as, as long as we're including that in our replies as the next step. So that would be another way of doing it, looking at response time, like our and their response time, both ways. And, and like response volume, I guess, would be to say like, is this conversational with them? Because if it is, that means that they're curious and they're, they're if they're asking us questions and stuff. But the, the only problem with that is that if they get... If it's too conversational before a meeting, they're going to start asking questions that we're not going to know the answers to. Just like any junior level salesperson would have that would happen to them. Because, you know, if they're new to a company and it's a really complicated thing like Oracle implementations and they're like, hey, do you support migrating from here to here? You know, any junior person is going to be like, I don't know. I have no idea. We need to get an engineer on the phone to talk about that. <laughs> that makes sense. So that's the only downside of that as like a meta metric is that we could get ourselves into trouble versus having really simple messaging, which is like, Hey, if you're interested, the next step is you have to talk to one of our people so that they can answer all of these questions for you. You know? So if we're taking it back a step there in terms of the incentive before the payment incentive was there, because as a founder, you're only paying for people that you actually speak to and that you actually deal with. But you were saying that the mechanics of getting that going were difficult so therefore you're thinking about other metrics and the other metric that you're thinking was sort of the response time there and the volume of conversation. I'm just wondering what's, what's this metric actually useful for? What's it, what have you got to keep reminding yourselves? Is it to keep staff morale up? Is it to keep their performance up? What's, what's this metric actually for? Well, it's basically just making sure that we're doing a good job keeping these leads engaged, right? 
Like, like if, we, if we're looking at response, it's like it's, it's like a measure for for interest, for prospect interest, and like bigger companies will set up really complicated, tons of like analytics tools and lead scoring, and they'll say, oh, plus five points every time the this prospect visits our website, and plus fifty points if they visit the contact us or pricing page or whatever. But these are smaller companies that don't really have the wherewithal to set up all that kind of stuff. So it's it's really just like sort of to measure our effectiveness basically for what we're providing to the customers. If, if it's not, if it's not meetings booked. Okay. Cause like if customers aren't responding to the emails, then that means we're sending bad emails. And so then, or, or, or the prospects are like random because they're like coming in from random sources. So we, yeah, that would, it would be basically to like show that we're, if, if it's not the thing that they really want, which is meetings, then it would have to be, we'd have to have some other way of showing them that we're doing a good job. And are you able to get any sort of proxy in terms of looking at the calendar and seeing meetings go in, even if you don't know that they've definitely been attended or that they've definitely been dealt with, but just as a proxy, is there any way for you to do that or see that? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I can do it manually and then we could set up like a, an automated way where it's listening for scheduled events and tallying them up and then i think i think we i think we solved the like no show problem by just saying hey if you have a no show you have to tell us you know you just have to email us if you don't email us we won't know and we're gonna we're gonna book you for meetings because like for example like we you could you could say oh well it has to be on zoom and the customer has to show up on zoom but like we have a customer who it's an aerospace company they work in the defense industry and they were like yeah, uh, you have to use our system. You have to dial in using our method, period. Mm-hmm. So it's like, there's going to be some weird exceptions like that as well. Or maybe the customer like Zoom isn't working and they say, just call my cell phone, you know, instead of dialing into the Zoom link or whatever. So yeah, there's there's going to be some like weirdness around that kind of stuff. But I think as long as our volume is low enough, we can keep track of it. And then we can do automated tallies. And then probably as we grow, we just assign people an account manager, you know, and say, hey, account manager, it's your job to keep track of this. So if we book a meeting that's outside of the normal channels, you have to log it. If the customer emails you to let them know there was a no show, you have to log that. So it puts the onus back on them. Yeah. Yeah. Like if, like if there's a no show, it's like you have to tell us. Like we, there's, it's literally there's no way for us to know. You know, we could require customers talk in a certain way, but I just don't think that's, I don't think that's a good idea. I think that's too rigid to, to, um, you really have to have a tight, tight, tight workflow for that. And I just, I don't know. I'm not sure. Maybe one day we would have the like power to enforce that, but there's companies that are like this. They, they just sell in lots of different ways. And that just seems too limiting. I think for now anyway. Okay. I'm wondering, where does that leave you in terms of moving forward with this? Well, the biggest thing that I'm working on right now is I have a big proposal I need to work on. Like I could use our service. I'm actually in the process of spinning up our team doing our what we're doing for ourselves because I'm having a hard time keeping up with some of this stuff. I need to get a landing page put together that is explaining this inbound service and get that up on our site. I need to finish this proposal and do that. Those are kind of like the 1A, 1B things that I'm working on right now. Because, well, the proposal, because that'll obviously it's always good to get new business and it's going to include this offering. And then the inbound, because if we want to go out and spread the word about it, these prospects are going to have to land somewhere. 
So we, we have to have information about it on our site. So that's sort of like a, a necessary prerequisite, I think, for doing any like larger marketing effort, like whatever, posting more on social media, doing any paid ads, doing intermedia stuff or whatever. So I think that's, and, and I'm working on that. I, I updated the homepage. Uh, I'm like chipping away over the last two weeks at website updates. And, and sort of the last thing that I have on my play right now is this inbound page. And I'm hoping that just like, if we can get new business coming in, that that's just going to like force me to figure out some of this other stuff, <laughs> basically. Just from what you're saying, it sounds like it is a case of get going with what you've got today and the resources that you're building and figuring out as you go. Yeah. And modifying it as you go and it becoming more advanced as you as you progress. Yeah. And I think I'm just like, I'm okay with it being inefficient. Like if we had more capital, I think we could get, we could, we could like run in a straighter line, but there's the higher risk of that like straight line that we're running in being the wrong direction. I think because we have like the, like our distances that we can run at any given time, our runway is shorter because it's, it's customer funded only. It's like a little more zigzaggy, but it's more likely as we're moving that we're getting in the destination that we, we want to get arrive at. So I think that for me, like a takeaway for me from this conversation is like, I think I'm getting really caught up on the, like perfecting the reporting of the meeting scheduling and, and, and connecting it with Stripe and all that. And just realizing like the worst case scenario is that because we sell prepaid packages, worst case scenario is that we're slow to run the reports. And that means we're slow to build the customers and the customer is not going to care about that. <laughs> It just means they get free money, like a zero interest, you know, like we just extend before we tell them that they're out of packages. So they're like not going to care about that. That's, that's very much an internal problem, not a customer problem. That's kind of the worst case scenario if we don't solve this thing right now. And that's not a, the customer doesn't care. And if, and if they're happy, then they're going to book another package. It just, maybe they book it a week later or two weeks later when I get around to like, and, and I can also probably train someone on my team. I could definitely train someone on my team to do what I'm doing manually anyway. So there's no reason why I have to do it. I'm not special. I don't have any like sacred knowledge <laughs> where it has to be me. Excellent. I think that's a really good point to, yeah, just sort of recap on what we've discussed. You said that you launched this going back into february 2021 this year uh, as a sort of new service but actually the you've been working on solo sales consulting since 2019 and you really made this switch into more of a service because people understood what it was that you're offering they really desired that service and you said the service is really split up into three key points first one being building list lead lists and doing outreach second is sort of the inbound qualification and scheduling side of things and the third was sort of staying on top of the pipeline. And you said that you sell a lot of people to the sort of first service, but now you want to make more of a move to the second service and put more of a focus there. You said it's the most sort of exciting offer that you've got. You've had good feedback on it. People really like it. And you said it's a bit more complicated. It's got a longer sales cycle. And part of the reason that you were held back from that move was because of cash potentially and the fact that it wouldn't give you so much sort of runway to work on this new service and you get to play around with price points and understand a little bit more about how you could bill for this. And the reason for that is that you're saying people would only pay for meetings that were booked. But in fact, to be able to do that, you knew that there are a few sort of technical and operational challenges about figuring out if people had really booked 
and those meetings had gone ahead and that you could then build a client for those. And you said you've got a low-code agency as sort of helping on the Integromat side of things to build out the reporting and that side of things. And that actually, if you took on a lot of people at one time, then you'd struggle with the sort of infrastructure that you've got. But then as we sort of explored it, you were saying that actually maybe if it's more of a gradual change and that you start off almost with this MVP type service where you're billing in a slightly different way, but you can do it with the sort of tools and systems you've got in place at the moment and then make more of a gradual shift over time to this sort of um, paper successful meeting books model. Do you think that's a sort of fair summary of everything we've discussed? Yeah, yeah, it's really good and it's really concise. <laughs> Excellent. Well, it's really good having you on today. Where can people find you online if they want to learn more? Yeah, so I'm just at Harris Kenny on Twitter uh, and I'm on LinkedIn as well. And, you know, our company channels are InterCRM. You know, I discussed we're, we're you know, needing to think about that name and how that's going to fit in. But, uh, you know, we'll, we'll set up redirects, you know, at some point in the future. Uh, so if you're listening to this and we've changed our name, you can still look there first. And uh, yeah, I really appreciate you having me on. This is really interesting. I, it's interesting hearing Val and others kind of go through the process and then kind of doing the same. I thought it was really, really helpful. So I appreciate it. This is a pretty cool idea. I'm glad you're doing it. Excellent. Thanks so much, Harris. It's really good to have you on. Take care. Okay. Have a good one. Thanks. There you have it. Thanks for listening. You'll find me at talkstefan.com or at talkstefan on Twitter. Drop me a message if you're interested in either being a guest on the podcast or working together. Take care for now.